and welcome to the podcast version of COS Live, a weekly program keeping you up to date on the Article 5 movement working to reclaim liberty in America. You can watch the original live broadcasts on Convention of States Rumble, YouTube, Facebook, and X. And now, here's COS Live. Well, hello, COS supporters. Welcome back to another edition of COS Live. My name is Andrew Lush. I'll be your host for this episode. And of course, I'm joined by Rita Peters, who is my co-host, and she's also the Senior Vice President for Legislative Affairs. Rita, great to be back with you. How are you doing today? I'm doing well, Andrew. It's great to be with you again. And unfortunately, folks, Congressman Burleson from Missouri has had to reschedule our interview. So I know this is the second week we've told you we're going to be bringing you Congressman Burleson. We're excited to talk with him about Convention of States. But hey, Andrew, I guess it's busy being a congressman, right? Yeah. Yeah. He's very busy, but you know what? We have some things that we can show our grassroots. There's never any shortage of topics or new things to share with our supporters and our volunteers. And today we're going to be walking them through our COS presentation. Rita, several people out there love Convention of States. They love uh, hearing about all the updates. They love being involved in the movement and sharing with other people. But you might not know exactly where to start. And if you're presenting to you know more than just a couple of people, and you're going to be presenting to a large crowd, it can be a bit overwhelming. You might not know exactly where to start. Well, here at Convention of States, Rita, we have taken uh, all of the heavy lifting uh, out from our grassroots, and we put together a very nice, slick COS presentation. We're going to be sharing that with our grassroots, with our supporters today. And this is the updated version. So they're going to get all of the new uh, graphics and all of that cool stuff that goes along with this presentation. So I'm excited to get into that. So uh, producer G is going to be in the background. He's going to be navigating through the different slides that we have. And we're just going to walk you through the COS presentation. So uh, Garrett, when you're ready, why don't we pull that up and we'll start where we like to start, which is the problem. So many of you know about the problem. There are several problems that are... uh, that are within our uh, our federal government, but the three major ones that are affecting you, me, and all Americans, and of course, uh, our our government, is debt and spending, federal overreach, and career politicians. Those are the three things that we as an organization are attempting to address. So let's start with debt and spending. Millions of American families are reeling from the worst wave of inflation in more than four decades. And the national debt has more than quadrupled since 2004. That is actually astounding to think about, right, Andrew? For the national debt, the entire national debt to have quadrupled just since 2004. So let's look at our, our national debt in more detail. We call it the crisis that keeps digging. Over the past 100 years, the U.S. federal debt has increased from $409 billion in 1922 to $30.93 trillion in 2022. From fiscal year 2019 to fiscal year 2021, spending increased by about 50%. Spending increased by about 50%, even though we are in this terrible debt situation. Let's go to the next slide, Producer G. The scale that keeps tipping. In fiscal year 2022, the U.S. government spent $6.27 trillion 
which was more than it collected in revenue. Since 2015, the spending to GDP ratio has increased from 20% to 25%. You know, Andrew, I think that part of the problem we have in this country is that these numbers are so big. You know, you think about $6.27 trillion. I have no comprehension of how much money that actually is. And it's like, when the number gets to a certain point, it just doesn't seem real anymore. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, it's amazing to just think of a number, 30 trillion. Well, when you, if you don't really, if your mind can't grapple with that, it's hard to, to really try and think of solutions to that. Yeah. And, you know, if you just keep hearing that we're spending money and spending and printing money, you know, a lot of these, uh, a, a lot of the problems, uh, they, they, that future generations are going to be the ones that really feel the pain of the amount of debt we have. And, but you know what, Americans hearing the fact that we've quadrupled our spending or our debt. I mean, imagine if your, if your husband or if your wife had done that without your approval, quadrupled your debt in, in just a a few years, you would be furious. And so the American people should be furious at our leaders in Washington because they have, they are being reckless with our with our money. They're being reckless with taking out new debt. And it's just, it's really incredible. And, and Rita, the other thing that's really astounding is we're looking at 2004 to 2023. And it's not all Democratic control between 2004 and 2023. It's not all Republican control. You have both parties in control between that time period. And both parties have spent money, taken on new debt, and are completely whistling past the graveyard with this. No one is wanting to uh, you know, change the debt and spending crisis that we're seeing in Washington. Just incredible. And we've got a couple of graphics on this slide to show your audience where does all the money go and to show you how growing spending is really the problem. And, you know, someone or something has to stop it. Okay. All right. Regulations without end. Here's another problem. Laws are written by Congress. That's what we're supposed to have versus regulations are written by agencies. That's not such a good thing. In 2022, unelected bureaucrats created new regulations at a pace of every two hours and 48 minutes. Wow. And then there's the little factoid that we now live under a 3,000-page constitution. Of course, we all know the real constitution, the one that the founders gave us, even with its amendments, is a little booklet that fits in the palm of our hand or in our pocket. But because of all of the Supreme Court interpretations of the Constitution, you now have to comb through 3,000 pages in order to know how the federal government interprets that Constitution that the founders gave us. It's rather astounding to think that, you know, our tax dollars are paying unelected bureaucrats to be working all day on adding to the regulatory burden that sits on the backs of the American people. It's, it's clearly a problem that, you know, we, we cannot continue to live under that 
level of regulation and consider ourselves a free people. Okay, Garrett, what's next? People like us, people that are frustrated in Washington, D.C., often say, well, they don't follow the Constitution anyway. Not true. They follow the wrong one. They're following the Constitution as interpreted by the Supreme Court rather than the Constitution as written. This, taken out of my pocket, is a pocket Constitution. 4,000 words in the original document, 4,400 words. If you count the amendments, we're talking about 7,000 words. But here is the Constitution in force today. This is 3,000 pages of Supreme Court rulings showing what every ruling has done to the original words. This isn't going to get any smaller. In fact, every time they publish this document, they leave a bunch of blank pages at the back for additional rulings that they know are coming. Every page in this document means a grant of power to the federal government. Understand that this is the Constitution in operation today. And unless we change it, unless we make its wording crystal clear, we're going to continue to operate under this document forever and ever until the whole house of cards comes falling down. Did you notice that the, he, the, there was a bunch of blank pages? Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's waste right there. <laughs> yeah. Even when it comes to printing the annotated constitution, our federal government can't help but waste. Wasting paper. Now, wasting that paper, I mean, that's, that's small sense compared to what they waste on a daily average. But still, it's their culture is to waste because there's no accountability. If no one's holding you accountable, why not? Who cares? Just waste whatever you want. Yeah. So it just blows my mind. I, I was thinking the same thing. What? Printing blank pages in the back of a bound book. <laughs> What That's are you going to do? You're going to pencil them in later on? Or how's this going to work? No, they're going to publish another one with those rulings that are still pending. Yeah. So just doesn't okay. make sense on any level, which is typical okay. for the federal government. Yeah. Okay. Now here's another one of our big problems in Washington, D.C. Career politicians. The average congressional tenure continues to rise. And you see some examples there of how long some of these politicians have been or, or were in office. Representative Don Young, 1973 to 2022. Senator Dianne Feinstein, 1992 to present. And you've got a couple more there. Just look at how long they've been there. Entrenched politicians are increasingly subjected to the pressures of the bureaucracy and special interests. So it's not just that they themselves have been there a long time. It's that they, the longer they're there, the more and more pressure they're taking from those unelected bureaucrats who are cranking out regulations and the powerful moneyed special interest groups. Um, let's look at this other bubble that says congressional tenure. Okay, so congressional reelection success rates. And you see in the House, it's 94.5%. In the Senate, it's 100%. This is from 2022. So, you know, yes, the voters do have a choice to vote people out of office when they go to the polls. But the fact of the matter is, it doesn't happen that much because in this day and age, 
you know, so much of it is just name recognition and access to media, right, Andrew? So if you're already in a federal office, you start with a huge advantage. People know your name. You have access to the media and, you know, a lot of easy ways to raise campaign funds. So, Andrew, what are what are your thoughts on that when people say, well, you know, we have term limits. It's called an election. Right. Well, I mean, that's not really term limits because term limits begin when you come into office. Like if you were to have term limits, right? Saying yeah. that, well, it's a term limit is an election. Well, no, that's just that's just a republic. That's just how republics work. So you have an election. You have a person who's representing the people of their district or of their state. And, and then they have to... Uh, be elected by the voters every two to uh, six years. So, uh, no. <laughs> uh, also, uh, it says 94% or 94% of the House gets reelected. Well, you hear often from people in Washington, D.C., or you hear often from you know political pundits, they say that once you get elected in Congress, the next day you're out fundraising again for your, your upcoming election in two years, that you're just always fundraising and that you're never focusing on the needs of the American people. And, and that's because what you, like you said, having money and name recognition is so powerful in Washington, D.C. And, and when you care about the name recognition, when you care about the funding more than the American people, you end up getting into situations like we're currently in where spending is just out of control and where politicians care more about power than they do about solving issues. Or they like creating issues that they can then solve. And then say that they've been doing a good job when really they haven't. They've been just partially solving the, the problems that they created. So right. I don't buy it for one second when someone says uh, an election is a term limit. No, an election is an election. And term limits are a limitation that we put on people to prevent them from spending 50, 60 years in Congress. You know, take Diane Feinstein, for example. She was one of the people on that slide that we just saw. Diane Feinstein has been having failing health, unfortunately. And, you know, it's sad that that's happening, but you need to be in tip top health if you're going to be representing an, an entire state along with, you know, your other, your other Senator. Same with, uh, um, um, not Chuck Schumer, sorry, uh, uh, Mitch McConnell, Mitch yeah. McConnell's been having failing health. And it just shows you that age and health are serious things. And so when you have politicians who have been spending 30 years in Congress or 30 years in the Senate. That's, you know, I think that presents a real problem. All right. So we've talked about the problem, right? Well, I think we got to go to the most important part, right, Rita? <laughs> yeah. Let's talk about the solution. That's why people come to Convention of States. And that's what we love to talk about. So we have a quote there from our beloved Senator Jim DeMint. He said, I realize that Washington will never willingly return decision-making power back to the American people and the states. The Convention of States option is the only solution. So let's talk first about what the founders said about this. Imagine you were in this room. We're in Independence Hall in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, the very place where the Constitution was done and the Declaration of Independence. I'm Rick Green, America's Constitution Coach, here with Mark Meckler. And Mark, if you had been in this room, when it happened, when the Constitution was created and George Mason stands up at the very end to say, hey guys, wait a minute, we messed up, we got a real problem here, what would you do? I'd have probably been irritated. <laughs> Sit down, <laughs> you hear the George. Grumbling, right? Yeah, right? they're like, like let's on, go home. Man, it's two <laughs> September 15, 1787, two days before the end of convention, 
you guys have heard the story, it's hot in here. Yeah. Like they didn't have HVAC back then, so it's hot. The windows are boarded up. They're all irritated by now. They wanna go home. Mason stands to address the men and he says, we have a terrible problem with the document we've drafted. I can hear the groans now. Yeah, everybody's like, oh, here George again. again, right? Yeah. And he says, we've given the power to the federal government to propose amendments should they deem them necessary, but we've not given the same power to the people acting through the states. Now I gotta stop you there, back up. They've been here for all those weeks to create a federal government. They've redesigned the whole thing. The constitution is designed. Here's our three branches of government. Here's what states can do. Here's what federal government can do. They've created all of that. And he's saying, wait a minute, we have a problem. Yeah, and there's a, a little bit of lost history in there. Actually, the very first draft that went out to the working committees contained this power. The states had the power. I didn't know that. The federal government didn't actually. And when it came back, somehow it had been reversed. And so he notices this at the last minute, literally brings this problem up. Everybody groans, we think. We don't have the videotape, right? Yeah. But then he asks a question that I think is the real question. And this question resonates across the ages. He says, are we so naive that we believe that a federal government that becomes a tyranny will ever propose amendments to restrain its own tyranny? Now wait, let me put that in country boy language. I'm a country boy. That means if the federal government ever gets out of control, do we really think the very people that stole power, that took it without permission, We'll just give it back. We'll just hand it off yeah. to us. You know, whenever I tell this story in a hall or in a meeting somewhere, people laugh. Yeah. And I think that's probably what they did. You know, we don't have a recording. We can kind of tell. Madison's notes in that point, they say nincom. It's Latin for no comment, essentially. That's an abbreviation. No debate. These no guys de debated everything. That's the 1787 version of mic drop. Exactly. Right? No, like, I, mean, I call it the forehead slap. Like everybody just went, oh my gosh. We missed that. I can't believe we missed that. Yeah. And so Eldridge Gary proposes the second part of Article 5 gives the states two-thirds of them power to call and convene a convention of states for proposing amendments. Then the vote's taken. I think this part's incredible. Imagine them in this room, right? Ready to go home. It's unanimous. Unanimous. Absolutely. So it was so obvious to them that we had to give this power to the people acting through the states that there's no debate and it's unanimously adopted. Now let's just summarize that real quick. So they created the constitution, they created the three branches of government, they created all these different levels of accountability, and they said, we didn't solve everything. In the future there will be issues, this will need to be amended. Congress can propose amendments and send it back to the states and they ratify it. And what George Mason changed, what they actually put in there at the end is, the states can propose amendments. The states come together and propose amendments, and then it goes back to all the states to be ratified. And unanimously, they said, that's a good idea. We need that second mechanism. Yeah, important to remember what that means is they gave the ultimate power, not to the federal government, not to Washington, D.C., but to the people in the states. Thank you, George Mason. And there you have it. So we know what happened at the Constitutional Convention that led to the final text of Article 5, which reads, The Congress, whenever two-thirds of both houses shall deem it necessary, shall propose amendments to this Constitution, or on the application of the legislatures of two-thirds of the several states, shall call a convention for proposing amendments which in either case shall be valid to all intents and purposes as part of this constitution when ratified by the legislatures of three-fourths of the several states or by conventions in three-fourths thereof as the one or the other mode of ratification may be proposed by the Congress. There's you have, there you have it. That's what the founding fathers gave us. So... Here's the action plan. Our plan is to use Article 5 for its constitutional purpose 
as the founders intended, to call an Article 5 convention to propose amendments that limit the power of the federal government. All right. So we talked about the problem. We talked about the solution. If you're just joining us, Andrew and I are going through the updated standard convention of states presentation. And our goal here is to show you that by using this resource that we make available on our website to anyone who wants to share the word about Convention of States to others and tell other people what it's all about. We provide this resource to you to make it really simple for you to do. And as you can see, I'm pretty much just reading the words on the slides. We actually will provide you with um, notes that go along with it so you can get into more detail, but we're just kind of reading through the slides to show you how simple it is. So Andrew, now we need to talk about how the solution works. And the first step is the people lead. Citizens ask their state legislators to sponsor and support the Convention of States resolution. It starts with you guys. Step two, state legislators act. A state legislator sponsors the Convention of States resolution and files it in his or her state legislature. The Convention of States resolution then passes out of committee and floor votes in both chambers of the state legislature. In other words, it has to go through the House and the Senate. When 34 states pass the resolution, the state legislatures then choose commissioners to represent them at the Article 5 convention. So the convention is called. States can send as many commissioners as they want, but each state only gets one vote. That is how the process works. And then step four is they're at the convention. Amendments get proposed. Commissioners propose, debate, and vote on amendments that are limited to the language of the Convention of States resolution that just got passed in 34 states. Any proposed amendments that are outside of that agenda would be totally out of order. Proposed amendments that are passed by a majority of states at the convention are sent to the states for ratification. Amendments are ratified. Proposed amendments only become valid if ratified by 38 states. That goes straight back to the text of Article 5 that says it takes three-fourths of the states in order to ratify an amendment proposal. So it only takes 13 states to stop a bad amendment from being ratified. And just I'll point out there that that means 13 states just have to do nothing and, and a, a proposal wouldn't get ratified. And that leads us to the Constitution is amended. Once this entire process is complete, ratified amendments are officially adopted and added to the U.S. Constitution. That's the process. Made it seem so simple. Love it. <laughs> it is pretty simple it when is. you break it down like that. All right, so let's talk about our strategy at Convention of States Action. All right, and we start with a quote here from David Barton. He says, I support an Article 5 convention. It is time for states 
to go on the offensive to limit the overreach of the federal government. I urge you to support all of the Constitution and thus the efforts of the Convention of States to pass their extremely well thought out and strategic legislation in your home state and join us in a call to restore our constitutional republic. That's the goal here. Let's start with the resolution. I won't read through the whole thing, but Producer G has a graphic here that's in the presentation of our model application. And it is important that in every state of those 34 states where we're working to pass this application, that they use this specific language. And the most important part of it is this section one, which says the legislature of the state hereby applies to Congress under the provisions of Article 5 of the Constitution of the United States for the calling of an Article 5 convention limited to proposing amendments to the Constitution of the United States that impose fiscal restraints on the federal government, limit the power and jurisdiction of the federal government, and limit the terms of office for its officials and for members of Congress. So those are the three topics for amendments that can be discussed and proposed at convention. You know, what's interesting, Rita, if you don't mind real quick, yeah. we're very specific in our resolution, which that should be a, we should, we do use this, but we should point that out to our opposition because our opposition will say, well, this is just opening up the constitution to whatever you want to do. You could just write, you could just pass any amendment you want. Well, obviously we don't believe that because we're very specific in our language and we say three topics and only these three topics. Right. And we look at history and that's how conventions have run in the past, interstate conventions. And we want to follow exactly what the constitution says to do. And, and we want to follow what, what, what conventions have done historically. And so anytime our opposition attacks us, I think it's really important for our grassroots to point back to our resolution and say, well, we don't believe that history doesn't show that. And we are following the constitution and we are following the process as well. Absolutely. Right. All right. So our strategy, we're building the nation's largest grassroots army. The grassroots are the heart and soul of what we're doing. We do already have grassroots leadership teams in all 50 states, 5 million plus volunteers and supporters, and we have active grass grassroots in all state legislative districts. I don't know if any other organization has ever done this, but it's pretty amazing. We actually have petitions signed by constituents in every single state legislative district in the country. I think that's pretty amazing. I think so too. It's incredible. And the momentum just keeps growing with over 5 million supporters across the nation. COS Action is on its way to making a historic Article 5 convention a reality. Basically, this graphic shows you some polling that demonstrates that the majority of the American people support exactly what we're doing. And that support crosses party lines. It's not just Republicans, even a majority of Democrats, 
um, majority of undecideds, they all support what we're doing because the American people know that Washington needs to be put back in its constitutional box and that Washington will not limit its own power. It's going to take us acting through our state legislatures in order to do that, which is exactly what the founders anticipated. And even more, Rita, is with our support, you see that it's also age and ethnicity. There's a plurality in both of those groups as well, not just party affiliation. Young people support us, millennials support us, Gen X, all of the generations. And then look at that. Look at the support by ethnicity. 59% Hispanic. Uh, looks like uh, all other ethnicities are a, a, a large majority as well. Yep. I mean, this is not just, this is an American issue. It's not a, an ethnic issue. It's not a, an age issue. It's not a party issue. It's an American issue. Americans want the government to rein in their spending. They want fresh blood in Congress. They don't want career politicians. And they also want a federal government that only uses the power that was granted to them by the Constitution. This is, it's an, an easy thing, and people get it, that the federal government should not be abusing the authority that we, the people, give them. Absolutely. Oh, or over to the endorsement. So this is just a great little um, graphic showing some of our major national level supporters. You've got people like Dave Rubin, Morton Blackwell, Ben Carson, of course, Mark Levin, the great one, um, Steve Dace, James O'Keefe, of course, Michael Ferris, Mike Huckabee. So I won't go through them all, but we have some pretty amazing national lev level endorsers. And, you know, these are these are people with real credentials, um, people who know what they're talking about. So it's it's an honor to, you know, have all of those endorsements. Mm -hmm. All right. And it looks like we're to the last bubble, which is, you know, one of our favorites. Right, Andrew? Right. <laughs> get involved. It takes a nation to save a nation. It is time to take action. If not us, who? If not now, when? So what exactly do we want you to do? Well, first, sign the petition. Scan the QR code. It's as easy as that. Every petition signed is a contact with a state legislator. They will get an email telling them that you've signed our petition. We have petitions signed in every state district in America, as I've mentioned, but the more petitions, the better. So if you haven't done that yet, that's the first step. And that's another thing that's so unique, Rita, getting uh, our petition going to a legislator. Usually you just have people out in the front of grocery stores with a clipboard saying, sign your name, and, and, and then that's it. And then you never hear anything from anyone. But we, we go the extra step. We go the extra two steps. One, our, we, we deliver it to your legislator. But two, you get a call from a COS volunteer. They give you a call and they say, hey, thank you for signing the petition. Welcome to the movement. Do you want to do what I'm doing? Do you want to get involved, volunteer some of your time to help save America? And that's just huge. That's, that's something that no other organization does. At least there's no other organization I'm aware of that does, that takes those extra steps and, yeah. and uses uh, the petition to one, grow the movement, but then also to make sure that your legislator knows that you support calling a convention and you want them to, to look into it or sponsor or support. Yeah. And it's because we really are a grassroots organization. We're not just a massive email list. 
We're not just a fundraising machine. We are a national grassroots organization with volunteer teams in every single state, and they want to have your help and your involvement. Okay, what's next, Producer G? District captains form the backbone of the Convention of States movement, fulfilling our vision of a citizen network that restores self-governance in America. As a district captain, you will help recruit, welcome, and educate other volunteers in your local area. You may also inform in-district volunteers of when they can have their voices heard at committee hearings at their state capitol. COS provides cutting-edge training and connects you with patriots who have been exactly where you are starting. So get on the front lines of the movement to reclaim liberty. Apply today at conventionofstates.com. So there was a graphic there that had sort of a list of all the different ways. Here it is on the screen now. All the different ways. I don't even know if this is all of them, but at least most of them that you can get involved. And these are just the official, you know, leadership roles on a state team. Um, so it goes from state director and then you've got, you know, all these other positions just this gives you a glimpse of how organized our grassroots army really is. Um, and the other thing is we don't just throw you blindly in, into these positions. We have training, really good training, um, videos, you know, manuals. If you're a person like me who prefers to read something than to watch something, but we've got good training and we will equip you to get involved. Yeah, Rita, we can use any talent that you have, and we can use it to grow the movement. We can use it to bring more awareness to Convention of States. If you have time and if you have talent, you can be a part of this movement, and we can use any amount of time and any amount of talent. That's absolutely right, and that's a great point, Andrew. Even if you're someone who, you know, you say, well, I can't go to the state capitol to lobby you know, I can't go to a lot of meetings and stuff. We can use you sitting at home on your couch with a with a cell phone, you know, to send texts or make some phone calls. We can use you. So um, get involved. Join the fight. And you can donate. <laughs> of course, it does take money to do the great work that we're doing. So if you say, you know, I don't have extra time or I don't have the ability um, to be a volunteer, but I do have extra money that I would like to go toward this cause because I really care about the restoration of the Republic. And I see this strategy and I want to be a part in some way of what you're doing. Um, we can also use your donation. So that is another way you can contribute to this cause. And that's it. So again, We've just been walking you through the updated version of the standard Convention of States presentation. Um, it's available on our website. Andrew, thoughts? I think this presentation is so easy and so easy to follow. And there's just four little or five little bubbles, and then each one expands, and it's all right there for you. And, and I, I appreciate that you read it exactly as it is, because that's all you have to do. Just get up there and read these, these slides that have already been put together for you by our national team. And uh, doing this in front of two people, three people, five people, or even 100 people, it doesn't matter. 
this is how you can help bring awareness and start brush fires of freedom within patriots, within the minds of patriots. And that's what we're called to do. We're, we're called to go spread the word about Convention of States because this is such a little known mechanism within the Constitution. And not, not enough people out there know that there is a grassroots organization that goes from coast to coast that is doing everything they can to call the very first Article 5 Convention of States. And when, Rita, when I'm out there and I tell people about this solution, their jaw just drops. Like, I had no idea that there was something like this out there. I had no idea that we can use Article 5, that we can go around Congress because they've been failing us, and that we can rely on the people and state legislatures to get this job done. And you know what? It's just so many people out there, are they lack hope. And this is a way that we can give hope. And this is a way that you can explain, even if you're just, you just started out as a district captain, you just started out as a, a volunteer activist, this is a way that you can, at the very beginning, uh, spread the word about Convention of States and spread the word about the solution. I'll second that. All right, Rita, well, we will be back next week. But Rita, until then, though, we have a country to save, so it's time for us to get back to work. Thank you for listening to today's program. For information, please visit www.conventionofstates.com forward slash pod. That's www.conventionofstates.com forward slash pod.